Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, we are back with part two of the curtain call. This is not your typical curtain call. This is not Michael Beck. This is behind the Steeler curtain co-editor, not deputy editor, co-editor Dave Schofield, filling in for Michael after he filled in for me last night on the Scobro Show. But as always, here is Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, you still doing good? Having fun so far? Yeah, yeah, we're doing yeah. good. Yeah, it's good. The first episode, the first half got taken over by uh, me ranting about Bud Dupree. But no, uh, hey, no, hey, at least it got taken over by someone from BTSC and not someone um, t- talking about some uh, a college program and someone that played 15 years. I don't know. I'm just saying. In case you didn't realize that we did not bring in a guest this week, that is something that is special for Michael and Jeffrey. Jeffrey and I are taking this chance to just do a fun show together where we can talk about our our article series Steelers Vertex and what we're working on now, which is losses and gains for the 2021 Steelers. What did they lose? What did they gain? Um, and it's not necessarily they lost more than they gained or gained more than they lost. It's it's different. We all, we just Jeffrey just laid that out that Alex Highsmith is a, is a good player. Bud Dupree is a great player. They're just don't expect one to do what the other one does. They're not the same type of player. So with that, we're going to roll into inside linebackers. And what we did there was we looked at who did the Steelers lose versus who did they gain? We did, this is a two-part article because what we did was we said, technically they lost Avery Williamson and they gained Devin Bush back from injury. Then we talked about the second half of it as saying, well, what they have is who's next to Devin Bush and they still have Robert Spillane and Vince Williams, who basically, when they were both healthy, they were both they were doing the two roles rather than just having to be one. Where do you want to attack this one to start with, Jeffrey? We, well, go we with already we talked guy? significantly about Devin Bush to start, <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna I love I love Devin Bush. He's my guy, uh, but we can we can kind of gloss over that. He is amazing. He's fantastic. Uh, the one weakness in his game. If you want a weakness in Devin Bush's game, it's actually blitzing. He is not a very good blitzer, especially in mm-hmm. pass rush. Uh, he just doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't thrive in that area. When they when they used him that way in 2019, the results weren't great. It, it was just kind of like meh. So you just don't. You don't. So in 2020, he was in coverage a ton. His sideline to sideline speed is ridiculous. Uh, was one of my favorite things is watching plays. Where you see a running back go outside and and you know the defensive line Bud Dupree would 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 stretch the play, force him outside, and all of a sudden you see Devin Bush and Terrell Edmonds gaining on the guy, mm-hmm. and they're trying to like go outside and turn the corner, and it's like you can't. Even if you shake Devin Bush, Terrell Edmonds is right there too. You've got two guys back there that are just wicked fast sideline to sideline, and both of them solid tacklers. So they. They're they're ridiculous. His his ability to do that is fantastic. Him in coverage, despite his height, he's shorter. Fantastic in coverage. 
Devin Bush is the huge boost to this team in 2021. He is coming back, uh, and that that's going to be a great benefit to the Steelers. So do you have any idea how many times he was blitzed in 2019 and 2020, according to Pro Football Reference? I do not know. According to, to PFR, in his 16 games in 2019, he was blitzed 37 times. A little over, like, two and a third times a game. Yeah. In his five games of 2020, he was blitzed. He blitzed 27 times. Wow. So they blitzed him more. They, according to PFR, they have that he blitzed more. Okay. But yet he had, he didn't, like he had one hurry, one sack, and three pressures is yeah. what he was, he was, he was doing. Uh, but sometimes you got to think, I don't know that. Is he more of a delayed blitzer guy than he would be a flat up blitzer guy? If you know what I mean. Is My that impression on that, that would out? be the Steelers are running a lot of man, uh, mm-hmm. and they do a lot of what I know of. What I've always heard called green dog blitzes, mm-hmm. uh, but they call it a hug blitz, where if you're covering a linebacker, if you're covering a running back or a tight end, you play tight up to the line, and if they come out in a route, you cover them, and if not, you blitz. And like you are responsible for that player, but you're like if also, you're covering the running back and he stays in in protection, you, yeah, you can block it. You blitz. <laughs> uh, so I would assume we're talking like those kind of plays. Yeah, where that's good as, as for most mm-hmm. of it because they ran a ton of man early in the season. Mm-hmm. They were running it a lot. Yeah, and and I really like that with the whole notion if you're doing that with man because if 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 a linebacker's responsibility is the running back. And then the running back doesn't go anywhere. And if the linebacker just basically hangs back to wait for him to do something, you're allowing that running back to block somebody else. Yeah. So either so either take advantage of him blocking someone else and blitz there, or make him have to block you so maybe someone else can get free to get in there. Now you just gave us you just gave us Devin Bush's number. Do you have Robert Spillane's? Um, I can I can get that here if you. While you get me. that up, I'll I'll yeah I'll talk about Avery Williamson while you do that. Avery okay. Williamson, the guy we lost. Um, I mean he, he I I did a whole thing on him. He's basically a guy who stops the bleeding. He's a mm-hmm. linebacker that's going to run people down. He's got great hustle. He's got a great motor. He plays he plays back a bit. You know he's kind of that linebacker that he's going to get you a lot of tackles. He's going to make sure plays that gain yards don't gain a ton of yards, mm-hmm. which has value on a worse defense than the Steelers. But when you're on the Steelers defense, like we're not looking to stop a running back at six yards. You know, mm-hmm. we're looking to get him in the backfield. Like that's like, we're not, we're not that that's, team that's like, Oh, can you just please, please bring him down. That please sounds like the Jets. Don't get yeah, more than the six Jets. yards. <laughs> that has value, right? If you're a yeah. team that's kind of skimping on your front line, you're looking at your front four and you're saying, Dude, yeah. our defensive line's not that great, then yeah, Avery Williamson is your guy. Mm-hmm. The Steelers, he was kind of like, things are getting bad here. Let's bring this guy in. Because if we get any more injuries, and we did. And we did. We did have more injuries. At one point, we had uh, Devin green Bush, Robert Slane, and Vince Williams out. And then Ulysses Gilbert got injured in his first game he ever played. And we had Marcus Allen and Avery Williamson as our starting two inside linebackers. And they're not bringing up to gray scales off the, off the practice squad. And yeah, it's be, uh, not good. Yeah. Right. Not good. Avery Williamson. That's him, right? Yeah. He's a guy who has value for a team that needs that kind of player on their defense. That's not the Steelers. So he's not a big loss. Did you find the numbers? Oh, yeah, I got him. I got him. All right. Um, so you want to know how much Robert Splane was blitzed. He was – he um, how many times he blitzed. I keep hearing – the way I keep phrasing it, I'm like, yeah, man, he was blitzed. Um, that's, not, that's not what I mean. How many times he blitzed. Okay. Not was blitzed. Ooh, okay. 30 times. How many times was Robert Spillane blitzed in 2020? Yeah, man. He was – he, he was blitzed, he blitzed every, every game, man. He was blitzed yeah. every game. <laughs> 30 oh, times he was set on a blitz. Oh. Four hurries, one quarterback knockdown, two sacks, and seven pressures. So yeah. only three more than Devin Bush on the season, but, I mean, a lot more production. 
you know, a lot was, better results. Yeah. And Vince Williams, four, four, too. One, everyone, two, everyone saw when Blitz, yeah. Vince Williams is a fantastic blitzer. So, yeah. like this, this is what excites me about this season. Uh, even, even as much as Michael Beck and I talked about getting that young stud inside linebacker to play next to Bush and be that like more athletic, freakish athlete, Vince Williams style hitter, uh, like a Zaven Collins that we were kind of fans of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got those guys. We've got guys that are good enough, right? We've got Vince Williams and Robert Spillane. We can let Davin Bush play back. Uh, Spillane, one of my favorite things in an interview is that they asked him what the Steelers wanted him to work on, uh, if they were going to have him work more on run support, different things. And he said, the Steelers said, don't worry about your weaknesses. Focus on your strengths. Focus on coverage yes. and hug blitzing. And I was just, yes. when I heard that, I was like, that's what I want to do. Because that's what they do. You take guys, you take what they do, and they do well, and you put them in that situation to do it. Yep. That's said, get what better you at have it. to do. Get better Max at Max yourself you out well. in those areas, and that's how we're going to use you. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. alongside Devin Bush, expect to see Robert Blaine in passing downs, in yeah. passing situations. Uh, oh, yeah. if they're, and, and I don't want to be like... Robert Spillane's the nickel linebacker, and Vince Williams is the three is the you know the base. front seven base yeah. set inside linebacker. I don't want to go there because if you're facing a team that passes a ton out of heavy sets, or you're facing a team that runs a lot out of trips, you may switch that up. You may say, you know yeah. what, we we want Vince Williams in on nickel, and maybe yeah. against someone else like a Baltimore, you may say we want Robert Spillane in there when they do heavy sets. If they're throwing yeah. out a heavy set, you you may want that. So to me, like it's more Vince Williams is going to focus on blitzing, uh, short zones. He's going to be your run guy. Robert Spillane's going to be the guy in man, more better in man, uh, and better on passing downs. All right, I have so many follow up questions. It's not funny. I'm going to ask one. I want you. I want you. I want quick answer. Okay. You can give me. You can give me yes or no. Will you see Bush? Williams and Spillane all the field at the same time at all in 2021? Yes. Okay. You think that they could possibly do that? All right. I was curious. Um, Last year, they did all three outside linebackers because they didn't have the inside linebackers. And when they went big, they did three outside linebackers. This year, they don't have the outside linebackers. They They have the inside linebackers. And they have the guys to do it, assuming they're healthy. Now, speaking of being healthy, we talked about the Steelers taking players and taking what they do well and putting them in that situation for them to have more success is by doing that, which I think is, is, is really what you want to do, but this is the NFL. And we all know that stands not for long um, when it comes to players and their career and stuff like that. And you deal with injury like me coaching high school. I could do it all the time because I base, it was rare when I, when I was losing players, all the time because of injury. It, it 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 it's not the same speed. It's not the same physicality with these grown men out there flying at each other that are the most you know elite athletes in the world that are doing this. There's going to be injuries that occur. If the Steelers are constantly taking players and building to their strengths, does that create more of a problem when someone goes down for injury and you have someone else that has to replace them? Is that what we saw? In 2020, that is the as the injuries began to mount up for the Steelers, that things that they had been doing all season they couldn't do the same things because they didn't have the same players with the same strengths. Do you think that was a problem? Absolutely, absolutely. And the big thing is they have plans to cover for people, right? They have ways to shift people and cover for them. When you see that run dry, is when three cornerbacks are out. Yeah, when you're missing or or. You have both Hayden and Nelson out, yeah. and that's it's just not good. We don't have two backup starting, you know, outside cornerbacks. Bush, Teams Williams, don't have that. <laughs> all yeah. out at the same time, yeah. Or if you have, you know, all three yeah. of your linebackers out, uh, they could cover for Bud Dupree, and they said they were able to cover last year for Bud Dupree and Devin Bush both being out. Yeah. Like that's incredible. They kept it going. Yeah. It wasn't you could, you could argue that when quite at the that, same level, that but when it was you a added, really good defense. Yeah, that when you added Joe Hayden being out as well in the playoffs is what kind of fell apart. Um, yeah, when you had Alex Highsmith, Joe Hayden, Devin Bush, you or, know, you, well, you mean all of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, of and Alex there were too many holes. Beyond that, yeah, it was just too, too many much. holes. 
So, yeah. And I mean, and that's going to be a problem whenever people go down to injury, no matter what. But, and I mean, that's why so many times people are like, oh, well, they talked about, oh, do you want Josh? Last year, people were like, or no, it was the year before in 2019, right before Ben got hurt. Well, do you want, do you want a Josh Dobbs as your number two quarterback? Because he could come in and do something different. Like we saw in week 17 last year. Or do you want someone that you don't have to have a whole different system when a quarterback steps out for a little bit? Other other teams have had the same problem where you say that quarterback might not fit as the backup because if something happens, we'd like to someone that at least has you know similar style, similar strengths. You're always going to be dealing with that. So you so needless to say, I think inside linebacker for the Steelers is if you're talking about Devin Bush coming back is where you have the the most gain versus the loss of anyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Just if you're talking about him coming back and you also have to remember with outside linebacker, if you're saying, well, you didn't have Bud Dupree for five games, the last five games, how much of a loss is he? Because they had to, they didn't have him for, for six games out of the season, but we knew what we, there was enough of Bud Dupree in 2020 to get more than halfway there to know what it was. So uh, we we got to hit some cornerback here before we go, the, the, the corners, don't you think? Yep. So the Steelers chose to move on from Steven Nelson. It's not that they lost in the free agency. And I still get frustrated because I see it in comments in the articles and different things on social media people still think that the Steelers chose Juju over Steven Nelson because of the timing of it. Juju didn't Juju's deal did not even come close to spending what the Steelers gained by releasing Nelson. I mean, Juju's deal was nowhere close to that, but I mean, they saved over $8 million. I mean, well then minus displacement with Steven Nelson and, and Juju's cap hit this year is 1.7 that's not what it was. So don't think of it of, oh, they should have kept Nelson and not re-signed Juju. They would have had to do something else anyway because they still wouldn't have had the money. So yeah. they chose Joe. Basically, they chose Joe Hayden over Steven Nelson. Well, I think I actually think it's a little different than that. You do? It's more new. I'll say there's, there's a little more to it, but there mm -hmm. definitely is. They did choose Hayden over Nelson, and there's a reason for that. Um, we've covered – we've covered – Man, I've done I've done so many film rooms on Nelson and, and Sutton this offseason. Yeah. Because we covered we covered Nelson when he was a returning guy on the Vertex. Uh -huh. And we're like, yeah, he's got one year left on his deal. Let's cover what we can expect for the next year. And yep. then he's and, he's and gone. We're like, oh, let's sign him to an extension, get that cap number yeah. down. Well, yeah. Yeah, and then we he he wasn't. And I think what happened there was when the Steelers couldn't sign Hilton and they signed Sutton. When they got Sutton and not Hilton, mm -hmm. Nelson was gone. That, in my opinion, is the moment the Steelers looked at Nelson's contract and said, we can play Sutton out there. Uh, mm -hmm. Because what you see on film is when 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 Cameron Sutton was, was playing for Joe Hayden and they had him try to fill what Joe Hayden did, it was awful. But when they had Cameron Sutton fill in for Steven Nelson, he slid straight in and did exactly what Steven Nelson did and did it at a really high level, mm -hmm. a starter-capable level, uh, my argument is he's not Steven Nelson. He's not entirely Steven Nelson. We just, this is our most recent vertex was on. Yes. Uh, Today. The Steelers losing Nelson <laughs> and replacing him with Sutton. So go to the site, check yeah. that out. If you want a little more into this. Uh, but Sutton is only a little bit behind Nelson, right? There are some ways that Nelson is better than, than Sutton. Sutton is a solid replacement for Steven Nelson. So that's, that that solves that one, right? Now yeah. you have to replace. Well, and, and what's and what's the issue? You you laid it out very well in the article. You can bring it up here. And actually, Andrew, I think brought it up way early in the live chat based on the article. It it's the physicality, right? Yeah, Cam Sutton. I, okay, Cam Sutton coming out of college was great playing the ball in the air. Was great running with people. When receivers would put a hand on him, he would disappear. Right, he just disappeared when anyone touched him. In the run game, he was terrible. He has gotten substantially better over the years, but that is not an area of strength for him. Mm -hmm. It's just you know you either have that naturally or you don't. You can't change that. He has gotten significantly better to where it's not the negative it was, where he went from being like, you know, a, a poor man's Tre'Davious White to just not even being able to get on the field except as a dime corner. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons they used him in dime is they could hide him. They could hide his lack of physical physicality 
by playing him deep. Deep zone, mm-hmm. he's phenomenal. You know, all these places that are like, oh, he's a safety. He's not really. He's just in deep zone and passing downs. He's great. He's great in coverage. He's great playing the ball. Uh, so to me, Sutton's great there. His physicality, if if receivers get hands on him and they're getting into hand fighting, he he has all kinds of problems dealing with that. If If he is able to stay off of them and stay out of reach and out of contact with them, he's phenomenal. He's absolutely phenomenal. And the Steelers are going to have to work that because Steven Nelson, despite being somewhere in size and just as good, slightly better than than Cameron Sutton, even at deep coverage and deep zone stuff, uh, he could handle the physicality better. So that is where the drop off there will be. And that's not, I mean, that's just an adjustment. You're going to have to adjust to that. Yeah. And I, I do want to clarify something. I, I actually mixed up um, Juju Smith-Schuster's cap number with Cam Sutton's cap number. Juju Smith's cap number for this year is 2.4 million. It's Cameron Sutton that's 1.7 million. Um so when I was comparing him to Steven Nelson, I was thinking of I was already jumping ahead to comparing that of cost above replacement. When I mentioned the, well, the what was, was it Nelson's yeah. hit uh bigger than Sutton's entire contract for 2 years? His hit was yes, absolutely. Because yeah, his cap hit was bigger than like the, the, mm-hmm. I, I can I can tell you what it is. What it yeah. was was Steven Nelson even right now has has a the Steelers took a dead money hit of six point one seven million, but they saved eight point two five million. He had more than a he would have been a more than fourteen million dollar cap hit this year. So he saved eight point two five. And what did Sutton sign for? Um, he Two signed, years wasn't it right around eight? Um, yeah, it was. Hold on, I can I can tell you the exact amount if I can get these ads to go off my screen. Um, that <laughs> exactly it, it it was nine. Nine. Okay. Nine. I knew yeah. it was like for two years, it was right around what they mm-hmm. saved with Nelson. So it was yeah. an easy decision. You've got yeah. Sutton for two years for basically what you were going to pay Nelson for Nelson one. for one. Yes. So, and they did the whole void year trick with him that they finally started doing for the first time ever this off season. So that's, so you're getting just a, a different corner. And like you said, Cam Sutton's not going to, he's not going to be as much in the, in the run and run support as you had with yeah. Steven Nelson. And, and also like Steven Nelson wasn't like Joe Hayden in that area, right? Yeah. Joe Hayden is a phenomenal run stuffing corner. Mm-hmm. Nelson was not. Nelson yeah. could get physical with people better, you know, than, than, than the Cam Sutton, but it wasn't great. You know, you're not talking about mm-hmm. a guy who's a really physical corner here. Uh, yeah. We're not talking about a guy who excelled in that area. He just was better than Cam Sutton at it. It's not a huge drop off. It's not like a major. It's it's a weakness we already had that now is a little bit weaker for a lot less money. Yeah. Now, now something that we haven't talked about yet that I'm going to say because we have to talk about the the loss of at the cornerback position of Mike Hilton. Is there a possibility that Cam Sutton does not win the outside starting cornerback job? Do you could you see someone like a James Pierre or even coming out of nowhere a Justin Lane getting that job over Sutton? Or do you think it's more of a situation where Sutton's the outside guy, but he's also going to be your best slot guy and he jumps in and one of those other guys move the outside? I, I'm gonna flip on you on this one. Or do you think someone like Pierre's looking, going looking in the slot? Because he is such a different player from Mike Hilton. Mm-hmm. Such a different player. And the Steelers are used to having a physical corner in the slot. The slot is also Mm -hmm. a place you can hide cornerbacks with less long speed if they're smart. Mm -hmm. If they react quick, they're smart, and they're fundamentally sound. And if you're talking about a guy who's physical, who's smart, who's fundamentally sound on film and less long speed, James Pierre is that Mm -hmm. guy. Like I know James Pierre played outside in college. He only played outside last year. That was a rookie, right? Yeah. He was a rookie. I think you the, the best bet on the roster to fill that slot role right away for Mike Hilton is probably going to be a James Pierre. He won't be the blitzer that, that Mike Hilton was, but he's at least a physical presence uh, and a really he, – he's very smart and incredibly fundamentally sound. I, I think he could really be an asset in the slot. I think – if you play him at corner, he is a strong side corner. He is Joe Hayden. You know, he's that left side of the defense, right side of the offense, strong side corner. He is not a Steven Nelson weak side corner. He's not Cam Sutton. 
He's not that side of the field. So to me, Pierre is Joe Hayden's backup and possibly the nickel. I think okay. he could fill that nickel spot. I don't expect Cam Sutton to slide inside when we go nickel or dime. Uh, watching his but stuff, the more could. I've worked on him and Nelson, but I, I, I think he's outside. I understand outside. what you're saying, but after seeing what you showed today with the physicality, I understand that because you do need someone in that slot corner position that's going to be more physical. So yeah. I think basically, what the I mean, done, basically the okay. slot cornerback is your will is your is your I think it's a Sam linebacker. That's your Sam linebacker, mm-hmm. right? Basically, you're taking a how we even do a nickel in the Steelers is a four three look, but one of the linebackers has to go out and cover a receiver. If you think of it that way, and mm-hmm. then you make that linebacker Mike Hilton, you have the Steelers nickel defense. Yeah, that's how it basically works. So in run fills and things, that that spot's still important. That spot is still very important for run slot defense. Backer, someone had said on a on a podcast before. Yeah, I mean, and is that's it, what the Steelers look for. Is what it is, yeah. Steelers look so, for cornerbacks that play like linebackers all the time. They're always and, looking for those guys. And they went out and signed some undrafted free agents. Um, they said he's going to be a safety. Their seventh round draft pick in Trey Norwood. Um, but we'll see how they want to use him with well, something like that. I, to me, I think they've all, taken a lot of Jack players of and trades. thrown into the mix. What's that? Jack of all trades safety. Yeah. Which you know what it sounds like? Cam Sutton. Yeah. You watch the like film, he... you know who he looks like? Early on season, early in his career, Cam Sutton. That's what he looks so like. So in other words, like... what Cam Sutton was doing in dime might be what you could look for. Yeah. If you actually just take Cam Sutton's role he played in certain packages in dime. Right, mm-hmm. and you you could put Norwood there right today, and be yeah. like, do what you did in college, because that's what you did, and that's where your best is that exact role. Yeah, yeah. So to me, I feel like there's a lot of because I I did the article saying you know basically I'm here as the anti Michael Beck because I I did the article saying three reasons why the Steelers shouldn't add a free agent before training camp because and some, and it's funny, someone in the comments says I can give you four reasons. And they named four positions. I'm like, guess what you just did. You proved my point. My point is if the Steelers only have money to add one more player, but you could, you could possibly need them at four different positions. Then don't add any player. You wait to see where you need it. That's my point. And that's what I'm like. I'm fine with them not signing anyone. I know, I know Michael's been pulling his hair out to where he's going to start looking like us because he wants them to, to add another player and this there. The other thing, I don't know if you, if you, I did a silly article about the, um, about the next three anti Steelers narratives. And I actually talked about, about uh, one of them was um, um, Canada's offense won't work in American football. And did a whole thing about you know them you know talking about that. So then I, I talked about Michael Beck being Canadian and threw that in there as well. Um, but that that one was a fun weekend article. But yeah, my, and if you look at the is, defensive backs, if mm-hmm. if that kid from Michigan State, the undrafted free agent who yeah. I can never remember his uh, name, Shakur is it Brown? Shakur Brown, good job. Yeah. Yes, if he's our sixth cornerback and he's good, yeah. right? And Trey Norwood is solid, like. Oh, then, and Justin then, Lane then you is don't need serviceable. To, to add another corner now. You've got your six yeah. deep. And, All and of a then, sudden, you know, your depth isn't great, but you're six that deep. And it is my point that I was trying yeah. to tell the people. I'm like, what if all of a sudden everyone's like, oh no, we we need I'm really worried about corner. Well, what if these young guys that you're hoping maybe you can get one of them to stick? What if two of them do? Yeah. What if, oh my goodness, three of them do? Then it, guess what you then you have more corners than you can't keep them all, and then you worry about losing them, or you know, can you get them to the practice squad? Things like that. That's why, and you're gonna have a bigger pool of players when roster cuts down happen, and you're gonna, I mean, roster cuts down happen August 31st, and the Steelers first game is September 12th. You have a whole extra week in there this year to help get someone up to speed if you have to do that. But my thing is, if you're like, oh, yes, I do think that the Steelers could be in trouble with their depth at outside linebacker they have to have everyone that they have fit and be ready and if they don't they're in trouble 
But what if they what if they do? And what if they suffer an injury for to three of their cornerbacks? Then corner is what they need and not outside linebacker. You talk about offensive tackle. What if all of a sudden Dan Moore comes out of nowhere and he's pushing both of those guys so much that they're like, oh my goodness, we got three guys and they're all battling so much. Look how all how good all of them are getting because of this battle. You know, I'm scared to death at offensive tackle, like most Steeler fans are. But what if there's a potential that they actually rise to the occasion and you have so many bodies there that then if you add another one, someone's going to get cut. So that's why I'm I'm in the wait and see with these other things because I think corner, they've added a lot of interesting pieces. The the um from 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 Duke. What's the corner from Duke? I can't remember. I think it's it's Gilbert. He's the one who um I think it's a Gilbert or something like that. I can't remember his name. I should know it because I did I'm it. Blank. Um, because he's um a cousin of like Darrell Revis or something like that. Um, I'm sure someone will put it in the in the in the live chat chat there. Um so that oh, and someone said Lamont Wade. He's actually, I think he's a safety. Um, but that now we get back to it. from from it was from Duke. He was really good and had like a like tied for interceptions in the NCAA as a sophomore, and then had a horrific hip displacement injury surgery, all kinds of like has played like four games in the last three seasons, something crazy like that. He's someone who you thought might have been a first round draft pick after his sophomore year, and then said he doesn't get drafted because of the injury concern. What if and it's and this isn't about future injuries, all he's injury prone. This is about of is his hip to a place where he can play in the NBA, NBA, NFL, NBA. <laughs> can he play CB in the NFL? Okay, that's where the B came in. Can he play in the NFL? Either he either he's recovered and he can and is that same player, or he or his or he can't do with his hips. He can't turn his hips like he used to, and he can't. He's an intriguing guy to think of. He could be an amazing player, or he could just be, nope, he just can't do it anymore. They have these possibilities, and they have so many possibilities at corner, in my opinion. Mark Gilbert. Thank you, Andrew Holbar. I was right. It was Gilbert. Okay. Yeah, had a lot of, of injuries because I think he came back after the hip and maybe even had an ankle. But um, they, I think the ankle, they said, might have been related to how he was playing based on the hip. I'm not even sure. Um, so... I think the Steelers have options that could pan out, but they have to be ready if none of them do. Would you think that's fair? Yeah. At, at, at I think it's fair too. Plus, you think of how big the rosters are right now. And they're apparently going to keep 90 players for a lot of the time until like the final cuts. Is that what the current they, plan they is? They cut five on the Tuesday after week one of the preseason and another five the Tuesday following week two of the preseason. So they'll have 80 through the through their third game and then they have to cut so yeah so like you're talking about three weeks there where all of a sudden 37 34 like you're 30 yeah. players from each team well i'm just saying you're, you're talking 1100 players that are going to be available yeah. then that aren't that are on rosters right now yeah so so like right now you're looking at you're looking at the bottom of the barrel as opposed to like yeah, 1100 guys are going to be out there that are currently on teams. And there might be some decent players that might fit our scheme better than someone else. Yeah. And, um, and in case people are wondering the, the, the practice squad right now is a, it's, it's still officially 12, but it looks like they might adopt the 16 that they had last year that, that both, both the team, both coaches and teams, you know, players, everyone liked it. The only question is, do they want to pony up the money to pay those four extra guys and have a count towards the salary cap? But it looks like that that could be happening too. But guys on other teams' practice squads are fair game to go sign. So yep. it's not that they're not available. We're running over. We have to do the last one. We have to do offensive tackle. Jeffrey, I know one of the guys you really want to talk about. Okay. <laughs> Good old Chuckles. Yeah, tell actually, me about uh, Chuchikora for because really when we did this one, it was the loss of Alejandro Villanueva, the shift of Chuchikora for, and the and the return of Zach Banner. Yeah, that's the way we did it. Yeah, watching film, I I stated in my thing that I thought Chuchikora for was going to be fine at left tackle, mm -hmm. uh, and he would be solid. 
And I, I caused some arguments about that over what, what defines solid. Exactly. You know, is the he going to be I mean, How good is I he? saw someone say, yeah, if you're a pro bowler, you're solid. Really? You have to be – you have to make a – I mean, there's only four players – well, I guess technically four per conference that make the pro yeah, bowl a like, tackle. So you're telling me there's only four players that you could even call solid tackles in each conference? Come on. That can't yeah. be your definition of solid. Okay. Yeah. So my, my, after that, I actually went back and watched more. Cause I was like, okay, yeah. maybe, maybe I haven't focused on Chukwumakora for enough. So I looked up, who did he play a lot, you know, and who, who did he play against? Uh, and one of the best games, if you want to see Chukwumakora for's game, go watch the wild card game. I know that's a terrible thing to tell that's people. The one no one wants to watch. <laughs> you don't want to watch that. But if you watch, Miles Garrett in that game, the start of the game, the Browns send him to Chukwumokor for his side. And the best pass rushes he gets off is when they slant him in and he faces David DeCastro. Because David DeCastro was terrible that game. He was terrible a lot in the season. But he drove David DeCastro. Miles Garrett drove David DeCastro straight into Ben Roethlisberger. And at one play, pushed David DeCastro back. Ben Roethlisberger throws the, the ball, and he threw, pushed, throwing David DeCastro on the ground into Ben Roethlisberger's leg. Sounds Miles like Garrett Sam Hayward threw and David DeCastro Kelsey. into Ben Roethlisberger. You know, like, yeah. this is the player we're talking about. Miles Garrett is an absolute beast. Okorafor kept him all away from Ben. Yeah. Like, there was one play he kind of, like, slapped Ben on the back. Uh, there was a play where they, he got a good pressure on Ben. Because the middle of the line collapsed and Ben couldn't step up at all. Mm-hmm. And if you if you're dropping from shotgun, you're eight, you're six yards behind the line of scrimmage. Any edge rusher can take the corner on you. TJ Watt will eat you all day if you can't step up in the pocket there. Miles yeah. Garrett's gonna be fine. Uh that's the one time he got a good pressure on him. Chukuma Korofor is good. He's not great. He's not one of the top tackles in the league. He is really good. Alejandro Villanueva, the last two seasons has not been the same player. He has been dropping off, especially if you look at his stats, his like advanced stats, if you look at pressures he surrendered, uh, his sack rate, stuff like that, they've gone up every season the last like three years. And he used to be phenomenal, year, right? <laughs> and it's kind of inching up there to where now, last year, he wasn't a great tackle. Um, and a core four moves better than Villanueva. Obviously, Villanueva had that ridiculously long reach. He used that incredibly well. A core four moves better than him. So better a core feet. four has has a good, good uh, what is it called? Anchor. Mm-hmm. Not great, but there's plays. I mean, there are some plays where he really shuts down some big guys. Uh, the great defensive tackle from Philadelphia just um, lost his name. Um, uh, Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox, yes. He had an inside rush against Fletcher Cox he had to defend. And they how they pinned the rush and how he had to pick him up was he basically had to pin himself against David DeCastro to even pick up Fletcher Cox mm-hmm. and drove him straight back and around Ben Roethlisberger. Fletcher Cox was trying to get to him, and he couldn't. He, start, he was like the whole time he's going around. He's got the angle to take him. He's already inside, and Okorafor handled it. Yeah, I'm a believer in Okorafor. I think he's going to be a solid, not great, solid left tackle. I think he's a better zone blocker than Alejandro Villanueva. You're not going to see him drive people off the line. He's not Zach Banner. You're going to see Zach Banner move defensive tackles out of the way. You're not going to see a core four do that. He's better at sealing players uh, where he just gets in their way and is like, you're not going to the left. Right? That's that's all I'm doing. I'm just making sure you don't go this one way and mm-hmm. keeping you kind of where you are so the play can get past you. He's fine at that. He moves well. He's good in outside zone. Not not great, but he's better than Alejandro Villanueva. Uh, so to me, he might be an upgrade mm-hmm. at left tackle over what we saw from Big Al last season, right? Not what Big Al was when he was in his prime, when he was at his best. But what we saw from him last season, Okorafor has the potential to be an upgrade. Uh, Banner is not quite potential. Pass yeah, I like that. Blocker, mm-hmm. either of the other two are, uh, but they can't touch him in run blocking. Mm-hmm. 
especially inside zone where you're you're double teaming and then going off. He's an absolute monster in that. Uh, he's going to be great next to DeCastro. Those two, he, he's going to help DeCastro bounce back this season if DeCastro still has enough. Yeah. So, I, so would you say you think that some people are like, well, it's your left foot versus your right foot with your step and everything else. Or do you just, I think it's more of the responsibilities. Right tackle and left tackle, granted, I've come to, at it from a high school mentality. Of that is your left tackle was your pass blocker, your right tackle was your run blocker. That's just how it was in everything yeah. that I've coached or played. It that's not the exact translation to the NFL, but is it a little bit? And therefore, Chooks is a better fit at left than he is at right. Absolutely. It's it's still that system. I mean, we still have like Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson play completely different styles. There's a reason Joe Hayden plays on the offensive right, because you run more to the right. You're mm-hmm. like people are still right-handed mostly. You run to the right more than you do to the left, and left left runs are usually cutbacks. It's just that's kind of just a thing. I, I the way yeah. I've heard it always explained is you've got right-handed players, you go to the right. You just do mm-hmm. because they're better at it. You put a right-handed running back going to the left, he's got to carry it in his left hand. He's just not it's mm-hmm. not as for it's not as sound, right? You yeah. just you run more to the right. You're more right focused. Uh, so the right tackle is more of a run blocker. It's just kind of yeah. how it works. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I believe that. And I, and it's to me, if you also watch the film when Chukwuma Korfor was with Kevin Dotson, right. The few weeks they were together, those two were good together. So put them Dotson both on the left side and let them do works. their thing. Yeah. Dot. Dotson to me is not, he's like, he's going to be such an upgrade on Matt Filer because Matt Filer was a dude that one versus one, I'm stronger than you, mm-hmm. right? I'm strong enough that really I can, strong. I can deal with you. And he did that. Like in LA, when he was switched to left guard and he guarded Aaron Donald, it was simply you take Aaron Donald and don't worry about anything else. Like that's your job. This whole game is you deal with Aaron Donald. That's where he was good. Where he wasn't, Matt Filer struggled is any kind of zone. Mm-hmm. any kind of zone, any kind of stunt where he had to switch players off. They they broke through. They got past him. Like He just wasn't good at that, the teamwork aspect of the offensive line. On an island by himself, he's, he's phenomenal. Kevin Dotson is phenomenal working with the guy next to him. He go. made Marquise Pouncey look better. He he had Chukwuma Korafor playing better. Like I And now they're on the left side together. That's the left side of your line is Kevin Dotson, Chukwuma Korafor. So, yeah, maybe Chukwuma Korafor isn't a power blocker, but you know what? Yeah, honestly, yeah. honestly, we could have done we could have done a yeah. three-part show. Yeah, we like could have done a three-part show. Andrew Wilbar throws this out there. He says, bad is going to have a fit, but I love this extended show. Yeah, we had to get we, – we needed to do what we needed to do. So, we had to do uh, a little not, bit of offensive line. Yeah, I mean, and we had to do something on the offense because that's all – Not like we can say next week we're going to do this again and we'll do it, the offense. <laughs> Exactly. So my thing when it comes to the to the offensive line is, you know, especially being an offensive line guy is like when my brother and I for the Scobro show did Steelers that, you know, we thought would would be the show the most improvement this year from last year. I put Chooks at number two. With, I put Highsmith as number one. I put Chooks at number two because I think he's got a, a, a chance to be in a situation. It's kind of, you know, Pooper, get off the pot, you know, get it done. It's do or die time. Um, yeah. Last, last, you know, he's in a contract year and everything else. And we're finally going to put you at the place where it was believed was your strength. You're going to get a chance to see if you could win that job and then do that job. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I want to bring this up too. Cause I got okay. someone, someone snarkily asked like, did Chukwuma score for even face anybody in college? Like the last time you played left tackle was in college. Yeah. And did he face anyone in college? I know. I, I went and looked it up. And I love your answer. <laughs> I went and looked it up. Yeah. As a sophomore, he faced mm-hmm. senior Joey Bosa yeah. at Ohio State. Like, Joey Bosa versus yeah. Chukwuma. When Corpo, Joey Bosa when was, was a sophomore, everyone was cut him down. Bosa. Yeah. Bosa did nothing that game. Uh, and the next year as a junior, he goes and faces Wisconsin. Guess who he's facing in Wisconsin? Another than Trent Jordan. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. TJ got one sack yeah. on him, and that was an inside blitz. 
Yeah. That wasn't even – a core four was blocking someone else. That was yeah. on a guard. So he faced T.J. Watt and Joey Bosa as a left tackle in college and gave up zero sacks to either of them. So got to remember that, everybody. Remember he, that. Now, he, that's how he got drafted in the third round. That's yeah. why he was a third-round draft pick. It's just taking him longer because he's not he's not a good run blocker. Yeah. But he's gotten better, and we're yeah. going to run more zone. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a potential for this line to surprise people. I mean, I actually have an article coming out tomorrow that shows where the Steelers' offensive line as a unit, where Pro Football Focus has them ranked, which is almost at the very bottom. And I'm like, which I understand, because, I mean, yeah. look, look at it. David DeCastro is the only player that played more than half the games at the position that he's going to be playing, scheduled to be playing in 2021. That's and, it. And at the end of the season, yeah, you can make an argument he was one of our worst linemen. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, was struggling. not good. But I mean, he was not healthy. He wasn't good. But I mean, so Chooks is moving positions. Kevin Dotson's moving over to the left side. You're going to have a new center. All this, I understand why you would say, oh, I can't, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Steelers line. But I'm also telling you that there's a chance that they could really make some magic happen. Yeah. It's all going to come together in the right way. It can. The only question is, will it? Well, here, here's here's the thing. How much confidence do you have in that line week one? Not a it's lot. Not a lot. You're not sitting there looking at that line being like the first snap of the first game. They're going to be awesome. They're not. They're not likely to be there. Kendrick Green is probably not your opening day center. It's B.J. Finney. Uh, hopefully he can be what he was in Pittsburgh before and not – what he was in 2020 with all these extenuating no, circumstances. What, what he wasn't in 2020 because he didn't get yeah, it all. Yeah, he was snap. not. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he wasn't He was anything in 2020. Hopefully so. David DeCastro bounces back. Yeah. Hopefully Zach Banner is the guy he was week one of and 2020 and or maybe better. Injury. Hopefully Chukwuma Korafor is good at left tackle and Kevin Dotson grows into being even a better player than he was last season. Week one may not be that week, but like yeah. week three, week four, you're going to see this offensive line start to look good. And I, th I think you're going to see this this offensive line be something, be a lot better than we think. Yeah. it's it, They might have to grow together and grow into each other. So, um, and it's funny because Donald says that CBS says about half an hour starting. That was one thing about PFF. They didn't even mention BJ Finney at center. Everyone's forgetting that it's a possibility, except for Steeler fans. And then I think too many Steeler fans are putting too much faith in Finney from saying, oh, he should be our starter. Finney wasn't our starter when he was here. He was he was a backup. That's what he was. Yeah. And I feel he was a better guard than center. Um, like I said, all I remember is him stepping on Mason Rudolph's foot and getting him knocked out of the Jets game um, on, his, on his first play in. So we've uh, gone way over tonight, but we had fun with it. And I'm sorry, bad, but it's what we did. So make sure that you are checking out all the podcasts. Make sure you're checking out the website. Um, lots of good stuff continues to come to you through the entire offseason. Jeffrey, anything you want to plug or anything you want to say here before we, before we head out? Uh, eventually, I'll have more film rooms coming out. We've got some weird problem with our, our software. Yep. I'm in talks with people. I can't load certain film clips up. And so like my film rooms are kind of on hold. Everything's like on hold right now. Uh, but as soon as that's fixed... I'll be dropping more on my uh, Offense and Focus series talking about Matt Canada and what he was doing in college. Uh, that's going to get to a whole bunch of different college teams. That's going to cover what he did in LSU eventually and eventually get to stuff we saw early in the season for the Steelers. Got a lot of great stuff planned for that series. Uh, but really, watch for the Vertex every Wednesday-ish. Yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever we get it out. Yeah, Wednesday is when we shoot for it. I think last week it was Thursday. But by yeah, the time it got around. Not always great. Yeah. You know, we're not always the most timely. But you know, <laughs> and I mean, we, we're not the most we're not the most timely on our show tonight either. So, so exactly. Not if you haven't learned anything about timing. Us, you learned that's not going to be happy with our show timing. Yep. But you that's know what? what? We, we love our podcast producers. So. um We'll, uh, we, we we better cut it off before an hour and 20 minutes. So, uh, and I'll, I'll be back on tomorrow night with the preview. I'll finally be, be back doing that. I, I missed a week. I was really bummed because that's always lots of fun. Um, and 
I tell you what, man, I'm excited about this preseason because I want to see things like the offensive line. I want to see things like the depth of corner. Those are the things that I want to see. Uh, can't wait for, for that Hall of Fame game. You know, people are like, oh, well, if the starters are going to play, I'm like, fine. That's not who I'm <laughs> – who I want to see as much of the preseason. I don't want to see them. Yeah. So because so, so they're not they're not okay. gonna really play anyways. Like, what's TJ Watt gonna do? Run out there, yeah. stretch a bit, run a few times, and then go go to the side. I don't want to see TJ Watt. I want to see I want to see Cassius Marsh. I want to see Q from the U. That's what I want to see. I don't even want to see Alex Highsmith. Maybe a little bit, just to show us how ripped and buffy is now. But just Guinness, him, Guinness yeah. Book of World Record holder, Dave Schofield, the first person on planet Earth ever to see say. I want to see Cassius Marsh out there. <laughs> no, I <laughs> well, I don't want to see him out there during the regular season. I want to <laughs> I, I want to see him out there in the preseason. I want to see those two yeah. guys out there showing that one of them could actually come on and do something if they had to be called on for a few plays. So that's it. That's what I want to see. So the that's those are the battles I'm looking for. Is is the is is the other uh depth pieces. So with that we're going to have to curtain call it after all um to finally um end this tonight jeffrey been lots of fun and uh we'll we'll uh unfortunately the two of us we'll have to see about trying to do this again sometime because this was a lot of fun so we can't see you next week but uh you can see me tomorrow night on the preview and you can see jeffrey next week on the curtain call thanks for joining us anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.